Welcome to the Marshall Street Podcast. Pay attention to the clock. Gillen. Got it! Where two washed up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, home by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 24. Now, here are your hosts, Jake and Keith. Push it up, it's good! Cody Jamison has won it! Cody Jamison wins it for Syracuse! It's over! The Orange wins the national championship! All right, welcome to episode 38 of the Marsh Street Podcast, where two washed-up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. And then like, share, and retweet to t- and tell your friends about us to help the podcast grow. I'm Jake. That's Keith. Keith, it's been a while. How are we doing? Hey, we're ranked. We're here. Feeling good. Yeah, just like everybody predicted, Syracuse football is 5-0, and which if you go back to our football preview is exactly what we said. I am yeah, totally not lying. I'll just send you the time, and I predicted this. We both did. We both did, yeah, exactly. Did say five wins? It was not for the season. It was, uh, <laughs> it was for the first five weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, Syracuse football is 5-0. and I know it's been a while. The last episode we did was the uh, football preview episode. Uh, some stuff's going on in the real world, so we haven't been able to do some stuff, but we're back now. Um, should be good to go week by week now again, but we'll see what happens there. But we're here for now, so I think what we're going to do today is just do, um, I'm going to do a quick recap of the first five games. Then we're going to talk about some bigger stuff for the first half of the year in like the macro sense, then preview NC State. And then there's just a little bit of stuff afterwards, mainly just some extra Syracuse stuff. I still don't think we've talked about the expanded CFP, stuff like that. So, without further ado, opening game, Syracuse hammers Louisville 31-7 at the Dome. Uh, First time opening against an ACC opponent. Defense was phenomenal. Garrett Schrader was awesome. 18-25 for 236. Sean Tucker did hit 100 yards, had his first touchdown. Lots of penalties, 18 yards for 107. Lots of pre-step motion. Uh, Chris Elmore was hurt, and so was Stephon Thompson. He, they are both out for the year. Sean Tucker was banged up. He came back. Deuce got hurt. Marlo Wax got hurt. They all came back. Uh, next week, uh, UConn on the road. I was there. It was a lot of fun. There were a lot of orange there. 48-14 Syracuse win to move to 2-0. Syracuse offense scored in every drive going up to the fourth quarter. Uh, final score probably should have been worse, in my opinion. And the first time Syracuse punted, UConn muffed it, and Garrett Schrader threw a 39-yard touchdown pass on the next play. Uh, Dan Valari also had a catch in that game. Garrett Schrader was the highest-rated P5 player, according to PFF, that week. 20 of 23, 287 passing yards, five total touchdowns. Um, Sean Tucker with 112 and a touchdown. He had 27 touches. I actually didn't think UConn was that bad up front, but their secondary was awful. Um... Defense was good again. Marlo Axe a strip sack. It was He originally ran back for a touchdown, but they called it back. He was down. A uh, couple big plays for UConn, which we'll get into there. They had a 36-yard run, a 28-yard run, and a 56-yard run. Um, 
So the short stuff like that is kind of a problem. Purdue next at home. Fourth quarter was absurd. 42 combined points. Syracuse wins at 32-29. Um, Garrett Schrader with the game-winning touchdown pass to Ronda Gadsden with seven seconds left. Uh, Purdue uh, lost their like their coaches, the players. They, they lost they lost their cool in the last two minutes. They had, I think, four total unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. There's that picture that was going around Twitter of them kicking off from their own goal line and then us kicking to them at our own at the Purdue 35. Um, Schrader just 13 of 29 for 181, three passing touchdowns. Sean Tucker only had 42 rushing yards. Purdue had 485 yards, 424 of that was in the air, 188 of that was to Charlie Jones. Next on a Friday night, 4 0, Syracuse was to 4 0, knocking off Virginia in the dome. It was a weird one, it was sloppy, but Cuse held on 22 20. Offense started out pretty hot, went right down the field, scored a touchdown, but SU did have four turnovers. Three fumbles and an interception. Only 75 rushing yards, 60 for Sean Tucker. Gadsden had, again, over 100 yards receiving. Schrader went back up to 277. Again, this is a game we probably should have won by more. Uh, Schmidt was 5-5 five five on field goals, including the game winner. The offense stalled out inside the 25 five times. Four of those drives were inside the 15. So thank God for Andre Schmidt. We scored points in all those drives. Syracuse wins. And then last week was the Wagner game. There's not much else to say about that. Wagner has, I think, came in on a 24-game losing streak. They hadn't won a game since 2019. 59-0. Um, not a lot to talk about. Schrader, 17-17, 238, three touchdowns. Tucker, 232, which is a career high in three touchdowns. Uh, LaQuinn Allen actually had 112 yards, including a 90-yarder, which is like the first one by an SU player since the 1940s. Uh, SU outgained Wagner, 631-50. to Wagner had 1.3 yards per play. We had 1.1 points per play. And then 10-minute clock in the second half. And then the big thing on Twitter was, why are the starters in? Because Sean Tucker got hurt, but he's fine. Um, and then and that's where we find us right now. Syracuse is 5-0, heading into the bye week with a, with a ranked game against NC State in the Dome, which I think is the first ranked matchup since the late 90s. Um, honestly, I thought the game against NC State in 2018 both teams were ranked. We weren't ranked, which I, I was off by a week um, when it came to that. But Keith, general impressions on the first half of the year before we get into some of, some specific points I have. Talk about best case scenario. I don't, <laughs> I don't think you can draw it up much better than this. Not only do you get a win every single week, but you get some thrilling finishes that generate social media buzz. Sean Tucker is, is still humming. Maybe... Keyed in a little bit with defenses that are, I would say, selling out because Schrader has proven that take advantage when that is the case. But keyed in on it a little bit so the numbers aren't quite as uh, eye popping as maybe some had expected, but still really, really productive. And then just hitting on a, on a lot of guys who are either diamonds of the rough or recruiting wise that have developed here or that, that depth of the transfer portal. And it's, it's all just kind of coming together and Really fun to see. Think of later college football landscape and how Syracuse can succeed and sustain that success. Look at this team as sort of a model for that. You get experienced coordinators. You get a coach that has been there for a long time amid lots of criticism sometimes for us and, and largely outside with Twitter and everything. And But staying the course and, and developing these guys and just seeing it all mesh has been so much 
Yeah, and it's I the impact that Anae and Beck have had on the offense. It's clearly changed, and it's clearly changed for the better. There are some th- times where I wish the line was a little bit more cohesive, but like I think we should just start with Garrett Schrader. Like it looks like a totally different guy from last year. He has a PFF rating of eighty nine this year. This is from Noons. He's had three 90-plus individual game ratings. He didn't have any last year. Um, 1,200 yards already. He, he had 1,445 last year. And that was, I think, he played, what, nine games? Starting with the Liberty game? So he's already almost there five games in. And only 10 passing touchdowns. He's only thrown one. Probably could have had a couple more in the Virginia game. But he does only have the one pick. 219 yards rushing, five touchdowns. He looks... He looks more confident in the pocket. He looks more poised. He looks like he, it, it's a different kid. Like he put the work in. Noons did a good article. They had a good article after I think the Louisville game on him changing his um, passing motion. Like uh, I think I found the quote. It was from Andrew Pegler on Noons. We see in last year's footage while he set. He's got a wide stance leading his back foot. Well, this year he's narrowed the stance just a hair and is stepping into the throw, keeping his weight centered. Look how that plays out as he continues his motion through the release point where the ball leaves his hand. And he's improved his balance, which has helped with his accuracy. So he put the work in, and I know part of, I think my biggest trepidation coming into the year was how, what's the quarterback play look like? That was that was my big thing. And he's he's answered the bell in ways I did not think he was going to probably ever be able to do. And, and he's proving, he's, like I, I forget who the announcer was on for the Wagner game, but he called him a Sunday quarterback, which I don't know if I'm totally there. But it just shows that he's are, he's improved so much, and it's helped the team win because you look at a game like the Virginia game where it's close, we're turning the ball over, it's ugly. We lose games like that last year. Like you look at those three games we lost by three points each. We don't we don't win that that game with last year's team, and because of its different coordinators, of course, but Greer Schrader's gotten better, and he's moved, he did it twice, moved him downfield to go win it against Purdue, got some help starting the ball around midfield with some penalties, and he set up Andre Schmidt to beat Virginia. It, it's a different quarter, he's a different quarterback, and he's as big of a reason as any as why Syracuse is 5-0. It was a switch number six, you think that's what did it? It, it it could be it could be in the number six. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with any other factors. It was it was but, just a number change. <laughs> I don't know if you get this feeling too. I don't I don't know if it's because of his pedigree coming from SEC or, but I don't even think that explains it because last year I didn't I didn't feel this way. You see him step out on the field this year, and you're just as a fan, you watch it, and you're like, you're confident that he's gonna. You're like, oh, I feel so good that this guy's under center. In there is still there is still really times where that way last year. There is still times where he he still leans run first, which drives me nuts. And there are times where he just holds onto the ball too long and takes a sack, or like, like he's trying to make something happen running around, which it works like half the time. But then the other half, he's getting sacked for like a fifteen yard loss. That still drives me crazy. But yeah, no, like he just looks overall more poised, more confident. Like it's a, it's a different guy. It's it's crazy. I'm looking at the stats now. Garrett Strader on the dot has rushed for a thousand yards in his Syracuse career. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't put that together. Yeah, he had uh, 
It's under 800 last year. Just over 200 so far. Averaging 58 rush yards a game, which is pretty impressive. That sounds right, yeah. Which, I know, he's just got to slide a little bit. He's got the Eric Dungey syndrome where he doesn't slide, and he's going to start taking hits, and he's going to get hurt. So he's got to learn to slide, especially in the stretch that's coming up after the bye week, which is the... It's the stretch of death, but we'll talk about that when we get into NC State. Um, another thing... Because uh, I... You know, you have the disconnect with between football seasons. It almost... I don't feel like he's played as much as it has. He, he started 17 games. And I feel like it was just yesterday where... Tommy DeVito was under center, and now he's, of course, over at Illinois. But that, that's crazy. He's, uh, well, played in 17 games. He almost seems like newer than, than he is. Well, because it happened so quick last year. Like, Tom, we didn't find out he was going to start against Liberty till like, an hour, maybe before. So it just it just kind of happened. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to hit at is uh, something we were complaining about, or not complaining about, but we were discussing during the pre the preview show was that we didn't really have a true wide receiver one, and I think Aranda Gadsden has separated himself. Uh, PFF rating of eighty four point six, which is right behind Schrader on the team. Twenty three catches, three sixty six, and three touchdowns. Averaging about 15 yards, just under 16 yards a catch, actually. So he's got 366 receiving. Last year's leading receiver, Courtney Jackson, at 389. Now, again, it's a different off. It's a different offense. It's two different coordinators. But I'm glad to see that there's been one guy who's kind of taken that step, so we can look and go, oh, okay, he's the number one receiver. He's the guy who Garrett Schrader is going to look for first. And I'm glad somebody took that step because. It can only help the offense now, so I'm very happy that we it, we have a receiver who's like he's he's the clear number one target. Um, Devon Cooper's got 14 like catches. What? Which helped win the Purdue game at the end. Yeah, no, exactly. He's got a couple games where dime of a throw by Schrader, by the way. But the confidence to to have a guy like that where you feel good throwing it up to him in the the final seconds and making a play. Yeah, and then um, second lead receiver, Sean Tucker, catch-wise, has got 19 for 184. Devon Cooper's got 14 catches for 194. Courtney Jackson has 12 catches. Trevor Pena has six, has seven catches. He's been, I've liked what I've seen out of him special teams-wise. I know he fumbled uh, against Virginia, but he's had a good year. He does all the little things right. He can kind of do a little bit of everything, which I enjoy. And then Anthony Queeley's only got one catch. I don't. I haven't heard his name at all this year, which is shocking to me. Um, but yeah, one catch for 12 yards, but at least it seems like we have a solid receiving group that can get open and still not really using tight ends. Max Manning's only got two catches, but there's a solid group there. And it, it, I'm happy that I'm happy that we actually like the receivers can create the version they're getting open and that's making Schrader's job a little easier because that's contributing to him being a better quarterback as well. On the tight end front, too, I wonder how much of that is system with an eye back and how much of that is personnel, because Mang is much more of a blocker. Right. I'm curious if Luke Benson had, had stuck around. What? In any case, they're, they're spreading around, and everything's like a smooth zone, for the most part. For sure. And then, um, last offensive point, I had was um 
with Sean Tucker, and I mean, he's still ninth in the country in rushing. Um, 626 yards, a lot of that came from the Wagner game where he had 230. But I feel like before that, he had 100 against Louisville, barely, 112 against UConn, but then 42 against Purdue, 60 against Virginia. I kind of thought that he hasn't been as, like, prolific and explosive. And I think it's kind of um, uh, the new scheme. And, like, they're just, it's basically give Sean the ball and run up the middle versus kind of getting him outside where he can be in space and just use his skill. I think that's part of it. But I also do think that defenses have kind of figured out, like, hey, you got to stop him first. But I'm curious to see how that, how that um, continues in the second half of the year. But, like, that could also be a reason why Schrader's passing has been so much better because they're expecting Hughes to run it. And once they can, Sean Tucker, they, they realize, oh, yeah, no, we got to cover everybody else, too. But um, he's still top 10 in the country in rushing. Uh, the Wagner game was a nice stat pattern for him. Should not have been in the second half where he got hurt. But I, I forget who it was in the Syracuse postgame. I, I had to listen to the second half on, in the car. Said, like, it just seems now whenever Sean Tucker gets, like, remotely hurt, he just stays down. Because he did it week one. He did it again in, against Wagner, so... And Dino said afterwards he's gonna be fine, but yeah, I just feel like he. With a guy like Schrader who picks up a lot on the ground, he's not necessarily like a beat you with speed 100. percent But how cool would it be if we had like an this was in like the 90s and we had like Rob Conrad in this backfield with like a triple option of like an I form? <laughs> that would be so fun. That, that would be an amazing uh, offense right there. That's an old school offense. That sounds so fun. <laughs> Him Lee blocking for Sean Tucker. Uh, we can turn into the old Georgia Tech or uh, or like a. I was gonna say Georgia Tech. I, was gonna, I almost was gonna make a joke and they say it hasn't has been tough sailing for Georgia Tech. I'm like, well, they just beat Pitt after firing their coach. So. The ACC is so weird. It's so weird. The coastal the coastal is just such a mess. Like. Miami lost to Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> Who loses to Middle Tennessee State, right? Say <laughs> for cigar special. I think Noon's tweeted like, "Oh, I wonder if he brought his cigars with him to Miami." Um, I'll also say too about the ACC. I'm getting way, way ahead of myself, and there's a lot to be played. But it's just so hard to be, even in a year like this, so hard to be optimistic when you got Clemson in, you know. I look at the I look at the standings when I put that graphic out, and I'm like, I, I can't believe Pitt got put in the coastal and we got stuck with Clemson every single year. Yeah, like thank thank God they're dumping the divisions next year. Like <laughs> we don't have to play them every single season. Not serve as well. No, and um, yeah, again, it's. I think last weekend showed it's it's still their conference. They're still the they're still the big dog, Clemson the powerhouses. I may be jumping the gun here, but. How are you feeling about our matchup with Notre Dame later this year? Better than I was preseason because yeah. I said, "What were they ranked? Fifth, sixth preseason?" And I said, "They, they could probably, yeah. they could probably, con- uh, they're going to contend for yeah. a playoff spot if they can beat." Um, I said, "If they, because I didn't think they were going to beat Ohio State if they just lose to Ohio State and then went out because I think like USC was their toughest game left." I don't think their offense is like anything special. Um, I could pull up stats really, really quick. I know um, Meyer, the tight end, is awesome. He's going to be an NFL pick. I don't know. He's on my fantasy team, actually. Um, but let me see. 
I, I actually feel okay about it. Like, because I, I just don't think their name, like, they lose it home to Marshall. Like, I, I kind of feel okay about that. Yeah. They almost lose to Cal at home. Um, now, they beat North Carolina, but North Carolina has literally no defense. So, like, that was the shootout against Appalachian State where they both scored 60 points. Like, the ND offense, 369 a game, which is toward the bottom half of college football. We're ahead of them, I think. But, yeah, we have we average about 441 offensively, which I looks eyeballing it as, like, top 50 in college football. Uh, defensively, I think we're totally, we're ninth total defense. Notre Dame is, I think, way, way below us. I haven't, honestly, I have not thought much about Notre Dame yet because I want to get through the next two games. But I feel good about it. Like, it's at home. The crowd will be rowdy. Notre Dame will travel. They'll put people in seats. They always do. But that's a winnable game, which is crazy to say. It's a very winnable game. Yeah, don't listen to our preview show. No, uh, don't listen to the preview show. Delete that one from your library. You can mark yeah. it as played so we get the numbers. Yep. But <laughs> yep. Yeah, just mark it as played. Don't go back and listen to it. <laughs> um, and then I guess the I, I talked about the defense a little bit. Let's talk about that. So very awesome all year. I just said the number one scoring defense, number one defense in the ACC, total yardage wise, number one pass defense, um, number four rush defense, uh, number nine score. Scoring defense in the country, uh, points per game at 14. Number 12 total defense in the country, 19th ranked pass defense in the country. Rusty is 70 is 17th, worth just about 95 yards per game allowed. And I think the Wagner game sways that a little bit. Um, that was the I think biggest thing. Like the stats make it look a little bit better, but I thought on the ground teams were getting decent chunks against us. Like. Louisville had just about four and a half yards of carry. UConn had three and a half, which I thought was a little bit more. Purdue had three, but they didn't run the ball. Virginia had five uh, yards of carry, and then Wagner had one. So I think that's part of swaying the stats. That's my biggest concern with the defense, especially with um, like Lockett's out for the year, Stephon Tom- Thompson's out for the year. So the run defense concerns me, especially with like like Will Shipley is in two weeks for Clemson. That scares me. Um but over the, the back end, I feel good. I, I feel great about. Like I think Garrett Williams didn't play great against Purdue. Charlie Jones had his number, and that's okay. He's had a lot of guys' numbers, but Deuce has been awesome. Um, Williams has been great. Like um, uh, Okachekwu on the defensive line has been fantastic. Like it seems. Like, my, again, I'm, I am worried about the depth and the injuries and the run defense. But there's not really a lot for me to complain about defensively. And I, I thought like. I remember going into last year, I felt really, really, I think I said that in the preview going into 21, the defense was going to be elite. And I said this year, the defense was going to be our best side again. I didn't think the defense was going to be this good so far. And they played four power, um, four power five teams, like, or three power five teams, excuse me. I, sorry, not UConn. Um, Louisville, Purdue, Virginia, like, and they've won those games. Like, as much as Purdue killed us, but they still only scored 29 points. Um, Malik Cunningham didn't do anything for in the Louisville game uh, through the air. Like he, they've balled out, and it's been very impressive to watch. And it's in this stretch of games, 
they're probably going to be the stuff. They're probably going to be what keeps us in games because Clemson's de- Clemson's defense and NC State's defense are probably just as good as ours, if not a little bit better. So I, I don't think I think the offense is going to struggle at times, and they're going to keep us in games. Um, high marks for me from the for the defense, and then the one other question I wrote down was how long till Tony White gets a head coaching job? Because I feel like that's coming. Like he's a, he's done such a good job. It's it's crazy. You think that seems like an eye just like stage of his career. Would you, would you agree with that? Uh, can you I, you cut out? I was saying it seems like an eye is, is content to be an OC for the rest of his career. I would imagine. I would think cause he's he's older. I think Beck is younger, so he might be he might look for a head coaching job. But I think. Like, Bronco Mendenhall just needs to stay retired because I think if Bronco Mendenhall comes back and coaches somewhere else, they're going to go coach with him. Um, so, Bronco, I know you're listening. Just, st- just stay retired. Go golf every day. You don't want to recruit. Can we, can we get him on back as, like, a special assistant? <laughs> yeah, Bronco Mendenhall, special assistant to the head coach. That's fine. Exactly. You can either go golf either go golf every day or just stay or come to Syracuse and be an offensive assistant or something. <laughs> oh, well, heck. Think about it this way. If we had a, a really down year, you would have had to pay so much for Dino's buyout. Just throw a couple million more for your assistance, and just really get Adam build Wh- out this. Uh, get Adam Weitzman on the. Get Adam Weitzman on the phone. He can pay for. He can pay for uh, Broncos salary. But um, and then the last thing is uh, ranked, which number twenty two in the AP poll, twenty one in the coaches poll. We were in the coaches poll two weeks ago. AP poll this week. I would like we'll we'll stay there for the NC State game because we're on a bye this week. Um. Yeah, and then five and zero since for the first time since eighty seven, and barring a monumental collapse, the bowl game where we've all been dying for is gonna is gonna happen. I hope, knock on wood, um, <laughs> which is all which which was my bar at the start of the year. So there's not much to overall to complain about. You can talk about some little things, but. It, it, it literally could not have gone better the first half of the year, with especially with the stretch you got to play, which may not be as difficult as we thought when the season first started. But you can't complain about it because you're probably you're most likely going to get one more win anyway. So <laughs> now, to me, it's all right. You got you have to find that sixth win now, and then where what's what's the ceiling of this team? Is this team a Seven? Could they be a seven-eight win team? Could they push Clemson for the division? I don't think that's going to happen because I think Clemson's going to go undefeated because they already got through NC State and um, Wake Forest. So I think they're going to kind of get to the spoiler. In fact, I'm not picking Syracuse to beat Clemson in Death Valley in two weeks. I'm sorry, um, but like Notre Dame, like we were talking about Notre Dame is not as good as we thought. I don't know what Pitt is. We don't like they've been so wonky all year. Uh, their quarterback play has been very inconsistent. They just lost to Georgia Tech. Florida State's very good, but I don't think they're like infallible. Um, Wake again, Sam Hartman's back, which is good for him. I'm glad he's healthy. But Syracuse Wake games are always weird. I'm not saying that's not a winnable. We can't win that game. And then BC's BC. Like th- there, there's a way to find two or th- maybe two or three more wins on the back half of that schedule um, at a minimum, and then we'll just see what go- what happens from there. Um, what do you think about that? Which is kind of crazy, because especially thinking of how hard we thought the schedule was coming into the year. Yeah, once you get back six, it's 
oh, house money. You can make the argument it's house money right now <laughs> with uh, with some of the projections for, for the year. So just just ride the wave and just have, just have fun with it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of debates about where the program should be and you know, how many people should be in the dome and what what our the lines should look like for each game. I'm, I, I, any buzz or talk is good for Syracuse football. Don't get me wrong, but I'm I'm just kind of sitting on the sidelines and, and having fun with it because it is not yeah. often that you get seasons like these. Just just enjoy it. You got you have you have three really good games at home left against like two top twenty five teams. Clemson's going to be ranked in the top five um, when we play them on the road. Notre Dame's coming in in a game that we could win. Florida State will probably be ranked. Like just enjoy it. We we'll get that sixth win in the back half of the year, um, and then we'll see we'll see wh- where the, the team can go second half of the year. Because like honestly, other than Clemson, I can see there these every one of these games. I think Syracuse can win. That being said, I can also Syracuse can also lose every one of these games. <laughs> so they're going to be those tight clench your ass kind of games um, down the stretch. I think, but just enjoy it. Yeah, just have fun Bob with it. Today said that. There's over 40,000 goals for NCAA yeah. earning. Good. That's a good, good sign right there. And we have another week to sell more tickets, so that that, that place will be rocking. Um, speaking of NC State, let's talk about the Wolfpack, shall we? Um, this is, this again, the start of the stretch of, like, let's see what this team's made of kind of stretch. Um, they lost their first game of the year last week at number 5 Clemson, 30-20. to 20. Uh, Have wins over East Carolina by one, Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, and UConn. Uh, they play Florida State at home this weekend, so that'll be something worth watching. Um, ACC preseason player of the year, Devin Leary, has less actually has less passing yards than Garrett Schrader. He's got 11.35 right now. Uh, Ten touchdowns, three picks. Offense for NC State hasn't been great. Uh, tenth in the conference in total offense, 384 yards a game. Twelfth in rushing offense. So that might play into Syracuse's wheelhouse because again we talked about how I don't I think the rushing defense is the biggest concern. Um leading rusher is Denis Sumo Cardby. There's no way I said his name right, I'm sorry. Uh 262 yards and three touchdowns. Thayer Thomas is Leary's top target, 24 catches for 301 yards and two touchdowns. Devin Carter also has 12 catches. Daryl Jones is eleven. Um but there's but the NC State's anchored by their defense, and it's just as good as we thought preseason-wise. Number two in the ACC are behind us, total defense, allowing just 280 yards a game. Uh, number three in pass defense, 185.6. Three in rush defense. Uh, Drake Thomas, the middle linebacker, he's going to play in the NFL, uh, leading the team in tackles with 32. This is going to be... This is the first, this is a big this is a big test for Syracuse because NC State unless they lose to Florida State this week it'll be ranked in the top fifteen. It's on the ACC network, which is kind of a bummer. I was hoping for ESPN, one of the networks, or ABC, but um, That's is what it is. Almost ending for college game day. Yeah, yeah. There was um, I think once Clem- NC State once to- once they went to Clemson NC State last weekend there was no shot, and then NC State lost anyway. So. Um, but I think this is going to be, this is a big test, and I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I think Sean Tucker is going to kind of be, isn't going to have, like, his best day. I don't think he'll be pleased with his performance afterwards, but I kind of think Syracuse is going to do enough offensively to win the game. Um, 
I think it's it's going to be like a 20 to 16. I think it's going to be a gross game. Like we're going to punt 14 times kind of thing. Um, I just think they do enough. I think their offense has looked a little bit sharper than NC State's. But I mean, obviously it's Devin Leary. So like I said this now and he's going to throw for 400 yards on next Saturday because he heard me say it. But um, yeah, I think Syracuse wins this game and we are off and running to Death Valley for and we're 6-0 and for the first time since 87. Like 20-16, to something gross like that. So if we get to six and zero, the guys start sitting out until the bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, NC State—they—they they gave Clemson a good game, and that, that was mm-hmm. a similar type of feel. It was, it was like it out, like everything was a struggle for both teams until some big plays broke that up. Either way, I think, I think this one goes down to the wire. I really do. I think I these agree. teams are, are very similar. And I'm going to say the, the home crowd and the, the momentum keeps going. So I, I think that's another that's another thing too. Like if this is probably if this was in Raleigh, I'd probably pick NC State to win. But it's going to be at home, and like you see, like Malik Cunningham was frazzled with the crowd noise. Like it's affected guys. Uh, one of the Purdue. I think Beats said it was like the loud one of the loudest buildings he's ever been in. And this is a guy who covers a Big Ten team. Like, it's going to be loud, and they're very similar teams. I think Syracuse pulls it out at the end, which is crazy. And we're 6-0, and and the rest of this, if, if, if Syracuse wins that game and they're 6-0, and the rest of the season's gravy. Like, I'll be upset if they lose, but I, it's, I'm cool with whatever happens the rest of the way. How could you not be going into this game? Oh, God, yeah. The, um, the great offseason tradition is like people clubbing each other over the head on Twitter. Of one, you know, one person saying we're going to get to ten wins, and one person saying there's no chance we'll make a bowl game. And <laughs> I mean, it's it's inevitable. Every day. It's with any fan base. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Like anything, I'm, I'm just so happy to be wrong about my uh, my preseason predictions. Yeah, no, I'm very happy as well. Um, We'll see what happens. Uh, nice bye week this weekend. Some stress-free football watching, and then back at it for a run of seven. That's that's a gauntlet, and we'll see what this Syracuse team is really made of. Keith, do you have anything football-wise? Excuse me, that you want to continue that you want to talk about before we close it out? One thing I, I was thinking about this with uh, Purdue and uh, some of the Notre Dame talk coming up. If you could pick one schedule in a series for let's say two three such a fun matchup who would it be? Just you personally. It's of winnable or or going into Alabama but like a semi competitive just really matchup anywhere in the country. That's a good question. Um my head jumps to UCLA because I think it would be cool to go to the Rose Bowl a couple times. Because, um, like Syracuse there, huh? <laughs> yeah, yikes! Um, <laughs> the, the, big, big the biggest, ten, baby. yeah, Big Ten country in LA. When the yeah, I remember the excuse was that the students weren't on campus yet, and the Rose Bowl was still ninety percent empty. Like, okay, cool, the students were on campus sick. Um, <laughs> that would be fun going out there. Um, I would love to see them play Michigan again. Like Michigan coming to the dome would be cool. Florida coming up would be cool because we're the reason Florida doesn't play non-conference games outside the state anymore because we kick their ass. 
Um, now, um, I'm trying to think of maybe, like, somewhere in Texas would be fun to go play. Like, not UT, but, like, maybe, like, SMU would be a fun one because they're good. That's a winnable game, and you get to go to Dallas. That'd be a fun series to go to. That'd be a cool road trip. Um, yeah, that's a good question. That's a, that's a thought-provoking question. Yeah. I have to sit down and actually think. The, Ro- the, the Rose Bowl was the first one that popped into my head because I've always wanted to go to a game at the Rose Bowl. So I, I guess the answer, if I were to pick one, would be UCLA. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I think uh, I think Nebraska would be really fun. Cause that, that would be, be a good one. Uh, that program could look like anything. When they schedule it a few years out, they could be great. They could be struggling. But I just know, like, because of the history with the upset, going on the road to an environment like that with the game that's pretty winnable, and I think that'd be an awesome series. That'd be a fun trip. Poor Scott Frost, not really, but <laughs> how how tense is it, do you have to be if you're a Wisconsin fan? Because they fired Paul Christ, who I think he won basically nine games every year. And you look at Nebraska, who fired Bo Pelini after he won nine games every year and took him to the Big Ten championship game and took him to the Big Twelve championship game. And they're that they're what they are now. How how nervous are you if you're a Wisconsin fan? I'd be shitting my pants. <laughs> yeah. I think there was the real lining is that they they think Jim Leonard might be Maybe, yeah. I've, I've, I've read and listened to a lot of good things about him. Andy Staples was pretty high on him when I was listening to his podcast. He sort of falls into the, the line about like great recruiters, young up-and-coming guys. Like You saw with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, and that's Jerry's still out, rough start there. But even like Brian Hartline at Ohio State, who is probably in line for a big-time gig, like that that young like next in line. T- T- Tony White? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I don't know if he's got the uh, recruiting prowess that a Marcus Freeman does or, or some of those guys, but he's also yeah. not in Notre Dame or Wisconsin. No. So. <laughs> no. um, Alright, so that's it football-wise, I think. So we will... This is going to be our... We'll preview NC State, obviously preview NC State, so our recap plus that preview. Next week, I think we're going to try and do the basketball preview during the bye week, so that's out and just ready to, you can listen to it up until the season starts. Um, so I think we're going to try and do, next time we talk football, it will be the week after NC State leading into Clemson. Um, miscellaneous Syracuse stuff, a lot of ranked teams on the Hill. Uh, football's 22nd in the AP poll and 21 in the coaches. Cross country, both teams are ranked. The guys are ninth. the women are 15th. Field hockey's number 11, men's soccer Number seven, they have a big one against Wake Forest, who's ranked number four on Saturday. They did just lose to Cornell, though. Um, hockey season started. Uh, the women are one and three. They've lost to Colgate. They split with Merrimack, and they just lost to St. Lawrence. I just got the notification on my phone. Um, yeah, there's it's a fun time on the Hill. Athletics are good. Football's good. Basketball season's right around the corner. If everybody get pissed off about it, it's a good time. It's a good time of the year. <laughs> Um, it's in central New York. I know. Uh, anything else Q's-wise, or do you want to jump to the farewell tour? Is there anything in the world of sports that you want to talk about? No, I think I'm good to go. All right. The biggest things um, that we haven't talked about is the college football playoff expansion. So if you haven't heard or been living under a rock, this happened a while ago. College football playoff committee 
agreed to expand to 12 teams. They're not sure when they're going to do it. It could be as early as 2024, but by 2026, um, it's going to be the top uh, six highest-ranked conference champions and six at-large teams, which I would have liked it to be the Power 5 champs get in, and then the six at-large bids. It, I would have liked it to be the, the Power 5 champs, the highest-ranked G5, and then the six at-larges. But I'll take it, obviously. I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, people are acting like... Like, people who are lamenting the end of the greatest regular season in sports, I think, are being a bit dramatic. Um, it, it, it can't hurt. And if, I, if you say to me, Jake, Alabama and Georgia are still going to win the national championship every year, I don't disagree with that for now. But... I don't think my gripe has ever been that Boise State never won the national championship. My gripe has been they never had a chance to play for it when they probably should have. Like when the year they that Boise and TCU were both ranked in the top ten and had to play each other in the Fiesta Bowl, that shouldn't happen. So I'm happy, and it creates a reasonable path if Syracuse ever has a really really special year to try and grab one of those at larges. Because like we finished fifteenth in 2018, you just need to be in the top twelve or right around there. So. You never know. I think it's good for college football. It's good for the smaller schools, and I think with some of the conference realignment stuff that we've seen um, over the past year, I think it's good. I don't think it's going to stop the conference realignment. I think it's going to keep happening, but I think it might mitigate it for a little bit. Yeah, I guess FCS can, can figure out how to do this stuff. It's it's about time the FBS did, too. But I, I do think it'll make it interesting to see if there's one. That's been part of the sport, no matter what the playoff system has been. But extra games, extra intrigue, couldn't hurt. Yeah, for sure. Um, other than that, not really much else I want to talk about. Um, baseball playoffs start this weekend. Best of luck if your teams are in it. Uh, the NFL is in full swing, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, yeah, I don't really think I have anything else. Oh, hockey season starts next week. I'm excited. Can the Rangers we're actually not let me down that. for once? We're playing on Aaron Judge. Where did I land in Aaron Judge? The home run king. Uh, like it or not, the record... 62. Like it or not, the record 73. Um, I'm a Yankee fan, so I thought it was cool. He broke the Yankees record. And I know people are like, oh, it's the American League. It's still a big deal. Um, I don't necessarily think they need to cut into college football games to show it. But it's, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a cool thing. Um, it's something you're not going to see a lot of, so... But, like, even if you're not a Yankee fan, like it or not, when you when a Yankee record gets broken like that, it's a big deal. So. The awesome memes about cutting like the Iron Bowl. I don't know if you saw oh, that Oh, it's so funny. It's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> There's some great stuff. Also, do we all try to jump in and try to get the ball on or close? Yes. Do we what? that guy? Do we think it's a good move? Bad move? Oh, would you have done the same thing? Well, he wasn't close, so no, I would not have jumped for the wall. He, he was, it was at least six or seven seats away from him, um, and it wasn't short. It? 
the hope the guy dropped it into him, into the bullpen. I think he thought it was coming right at him up until the last second, and he had no other choice. I'm just glad Hample didn't catch it. <laughs> well, I, I think it. I don't know if this guy was thinking two steps ahead or not, but let's say you. If it was the bullpen. He jumped in. Crazy. It, it it wasn't the bullpen. They have there's like a gap between the first row of seats and the wall. It's something it has to be like maintenance something in Texas. Okay, so let's let's say he does get the home run ball. The security just and be like, "This isn't yours because you're in a, a prohibited area." Maybe. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like you do make that jump, you do get the ball, and, and it's just like you're not entitled to it. This isn't an area that's open to the public. <laughs> I think the guy who caught it, he was like a billionaire or something. Like <laughs> some, some controversy about that. I guess there was another guy with the same name. Oh, really? It may not be him. I don't know, but. Either way, the guy who caught it is that for a while. If yeah, no. Cards, right? What do you do with that stake? Um, negotiate. Do you walk out of the stadium with it? I would. No, I give the ball back. Um, like I, since I'm a Yankees fan, I give the ball back. I would like some like sign stuff in return. Um, probably not no if i like say it was a red Sox hitting 62 and i caught it i'd want money for it or like someone like if it wasn't my team i would probably keep it and say like hey let's see what we can do here kind of thing but if it's aaron judge hitting that i'm giving them all back but i'm getting like 14 autographed bats i want the glove i want the jerseys wearing like <laughs> uh, i don't know i think you're i think you're being too light on them because like there were auction houses Aaron, pay off. Aaron, I'll give you the ball back if you pay off my student loans. <laughs> that, honestly, maybe. <laughs> well, with that student loan forgiveness, that's a terrible deal on your part. <laughs> that's, that's the worst deal of all time. All right, and that's, we're going to wrap it up there. <laughs> all right, so we'll be back next week for probably the, the bat, series basketball preview. Week after that, we'll be wrapping up NC State, previewing Clemson, and then we'll hopefully we'll be back rolling from there. Um, so leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. Don't forget to subscribe, like, retweet, and share with your friends. And that's Keith. I'm Jake Goorn. Cool.